Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. So we have finally made it around to the seventh city in the, uh, the series of the seven churches of, of Revelation. And I hope you've uh, received a lot from this study, because uh, I know I have. Just looking at this timeless truth that was written specifically for seven different audiences, but as I've mentioned over time and time again during the series, the words that we hear in the first, uh, the second and third chapter of Revelation are also words that have for us. A- and they don't have to be scary. Sometimes we think of the book of Revelation as, as a scary book that, that we uh, just want to avoid because of some of the stuff. Now, I know there's other stuff that get further into the book of Revelation that we could have questions and everything about, but we'll, we may do that at a, uh, another time. But uh, we're moving about 45 miles south of Philadelphia. Uh, we're about 100 miles east of Ephesus at this final church. A little fun fact, mainly for me, and that I will share with you, it was about 342 miles on this circuit to go from Ephesus all the way around to Laodicea. That's what this, this male uh, trade route uh, covered. And, and each one of these cities and each one of these churches were set up for a particular reason. And I think we'll find, as we look at Laodicea, one of those messages that we have specifically for us. So I invite you to go to God in prayer with me. Let us pray. Oh, God, you have uh, just filled us, and you uh, let your word just be a part of who we are. So, God, as we continue in this study, as we, we wrap up this series looking at the church in Laodicea, we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Laodicea, uh, it was a city that was founded by, uh, by, the, by a king by the name of uh, Antiochus II. And the name of the city was after his wife. And, and the name of the city and her name meant uh, something that I think is very important to remember as we look at the church in Laodicea. Laos means people. And the last part of that is dyke, which means decision, which means that the people made their own decisions. Now, that'll come back here in a little bit as we talk about, uh, about the church. Uh, one of the big things that we see in the church at Laodicea is that there's a lot of talk about water. I had uh, Jim Kirk, who uh, normally attends our 11 o'clock service, and he helps facilitate one of our Sunday school classes yesterday, uh, last Sunday, 
after worship was over, he came up to me and he said, so uh, when you start talking about Laodicea, are you going to have a water up there and then do like a big old giant spit take? If you don't catch that reference, you'll catch that reference here in, in, in a little bit. said, no, I'm not going to do that just because I don't want to get stuff all wet and messy and all, I thought about it, but no, nah, we're not going to do that. But see, water was something that was a, uh, a commodity, if you will, because water was something that was scarce in Laodicea. They had some uh, rivers and, and some areas, but sometimes that would get dried up. So in order to get water, they had these, uh, these viaducts made, one that reached um, north about six or seven miles to some hot springs that, that were located there, and the water would come from the north. And then there was another viaduct that came from the south near Colossae that uh, was close to these mountains that these snow-capped mountains would run off into this viaduct, and it would make its way to Laodicea. So you had six miles coming from the north. You had about 11 miles coming from the south. So when you look at what the shape of the water was when it arrived in Laodicea, it was lukewarm. So it really wasn't good for anything. Another thing that would happen is that the water from the north would be this hot spring water that would have minerals and stuff in it. So it really wasn't water that you would want to drink. It would be this, this bad tasting, filthy water. But there was some benefit to the water that would help with uh, cures for uh, eye problems. And they would use it to, to help fix eyes, to, to make the healing there. So, so there were some benefits, but yet for the normal intake of water, it wasn't really the best way to have water. Now, Laodicea, like Philadelphia, dealt with a lot of earthquakes, and the, and the city was destroyed a lot. And remember last week I said that Philadelphia relied on money from Rome to rebuild, and they also they, uh, forgave their taxes so that they could rebuild. Now, Laodicea, remember we talked about how they were people that made their own decision? They said, no, we don't want any of that. We can do everything by ourselves. Laodicea was on the Roman road that stretched from Ephesus all the way into Asia, and it was set up as a very important trade center. So money was traded there. Uh, they had a wool department, a wool, wool factory that was there that, that churned out all of these, these great fabrics. All of that was there in Laodicea. So they were pretty well off, and they knew that, and that also leaked into the church that was there. So, with that history of Laodicea, I invite you to turn to uh, God's Word to Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. If you don't have your Bibles, you can follow along with the words up on the screen. <clears throat> Hear the word of the Lord. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words to the Amen, words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth." 
You say I am rich and I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So if you notice, one of the things that we talked about over the past seven weeks, that that there was usually a a praise for the church, and then there was a a section where the church was, was rebuked. There really, there wasn't a praise to the church in Laodicea. There was nothing good that Jesus could have said to this church. Everything about it, there was something wrong with it. Unlike the other churches, there were some things that they could point out and say, in this you were doing well, but in this you were not. Everything that we read from, from the lukewarmness of the church to, to being uh, tied to their finances and being tied to their wealth, all of these were words that Jesus was telling them that they were missing the mark. And the second thing that we know is that we hear about who Jesus is. And and Jesus starts out by saying, I am the amen. Now, we're familiar with the term amen. Amen means basically so be it. it. It means that there is a fulfillment that is going to happen. And what Jesus is reminding the church in Laodicea is that there is a fulfillment that is there for you. And that fulfillment comes through me. I am the one who is faithful and true, and I am the ruler of all of God's creation. Or another way that another uh, scripture would, would translate it says that I help make all of God's creation. So it's not yours, it's mine. And, and you are to be the ones that are to steward God's word. It's something that that he was reminding the church in Laodicea because a letter was written before to the Colossians that in Colossians 4 it says you need to make sure this letter gets to the Laodiceans because there is an important word for them as well. That important word we can see in Colossians 1 15, where Jesus, where, where Paul is writing that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. See, this is a message that the Laodiceans have have seemed to have forgotten. When when they have all of this wealth, all of these things that they they had around them, 
they kept forgetting the fact that it was the one who, who provides, the one who was there at the beginning of creation, the one who continues to provide for them. He is calling them to remember that all that they have is a gift. <clears throat> and he does that by reminding them of their water sources. Remember hearing about the two different viaducts that came in that had the, the hot water that turned, to, turned lukewarm and then the cold water that warmed up to lukewarm? See, it helps as a reminder of them that they sat there in this lukewarm state, that they didn't really care about what was happening around them just as long as they could be comfortable. I know sometimes if I have the opportunity to take a bath, I'll, I'll try to get the water nice and hot, and then I'd start adding the cold water to get that nice, warm sensation, and I'll just sit there for a while, and I just get comfortable in it. As the water starts to, to, to move to this sense of neither hot nor cold, but it's just so relaxing, but then you realize that you start to prune up a little bit, and, and you start having things happen to you, and maybe when you start to get up out of the water, you kind of have a hard time getting out because you've been laying there in the same spot. See, I think that's what was happening to the church in Laodicea. They were just so comfortable in the life that they had for themselves that they forgot where the source came from. See, six miles or 11 miles makes a difference, and I think we can look at our own lives as followers of Christ, too. When we accept Christ, when we, when we have that fire for him, we do anything and everything we can to continue to grow in our faith, but then as we move farther away or, or as we move farther away from that point where we decide to follow Jesus, our own lives start to become a little more lukewarm, and then we start doing things that, that we don't think we really have to do anymore. Maybe we skip our, our prayer time. Maybe our Bibles just sit on the, uh, the end tables, and we just kind of look at them and go, yeah, I believe what that says, but I just don't really have to, to dig into it. Maybe we stop realizing that part of what God calls us to do is to serve one another. Maybe we start being weighed into this lukewarmness in our own faith where we think, you know, I'm fine. Everything is great because I've made that decision a long time ago. So I don't really need to be active or, or help churn or, or build on that faith. See, I think for the church in Laodicea and, and, the, and for us as well, we start getting comfortable with who we are and what we have, and we forget that it is God that gives us all. Jesus tells the church in Laodicea, you say that you are rich. And that's code for saying, you're saying you don't need anything. Why, why should you depend on me when you have all of the money that you can need to buy what you want. When you have this, this wool factory or, or, or this wool production around you that gives you this fine, beautiful clothes, or, or if you have these things that you can put on your eyes to help you see, but you do not see what I am calling you to do as a church. 
See, sometimes when we get comfortable in our finances or when we come be comfortable knowing that we have all the money that we could use, then we start going, well, I don't need anything else because I can provide for myself. But what Jesus is saying to the church in Laodicea and what Jesus is saying to us is that you are missing the most important thing, is that you need me to help you grow. You need me to help give you what you need so that you can move from day to day. You need me so that you can see clearly what's happening around you. <clears throat> the next part of God's message or Jesus' message to Laodicea is words that we have heard several times. Actually, matter of fact, if you walk out into this little entryway by the stairs, there is a painting there that depicts this scripture verse. It's Jesus standing at the door and knocking. This has been used time and time again to, to instill, instill fear into church members. That if we fail to answer the door at the end times, that, that we will be cursed and we will be thrown into the lake of fire. But really, is that what... Jesus is saying during this, during this passage, I don't think so. Because one of the things that Jesus says is that if I come to the door and knock and you open, I will eat with you. I will dine with you. I will give you what I have for, for you. So it's just a reminder that God loves us so much that he comes in the middle of our lives, in the middle of our need, and he provides for us. It may not be the provisions that, that we have or that we feel like we need because, honestly, do we really know what we need? But it's the provision that Christ says, you listen, and you knock, when I knock and you open that door, I will be there for you. It, it's an invitation for us. It's an invitation that, that, that Christ gives to us each and every day. One of the things I like to say is that, you know, Christ never stops knocking. Christ continues to knock. Christ continues to invite. Christ continues to give us opportunities so that we may accept his love and his grace and his power in our lives. So my hope and prayer, friends, is that we answer that door. That, that when we open the door, we say, God, you know, we may have a lot of things around us. We may have the material stuff that we feel like gets us by day after day. Or, or maybe I have walked away from the source of your love and grace. But fill me again as we sit and eat, as we spend time dining with each other, Fill me again so I may have that power in a new and amazing way so that I can share that love and grace with others. Let us pray. Oh, God, I think the church in Laodicea is the one that, I may, that, may, that speaks to me the most because, God, I can look at my own life and I can see where I have leaned on my own understanding 
where I feel like I have it all figured out and I don't need to do things listening to you. So God, I repent of those things. And I ask that as we continue to grow as disciples, help us to, to buy that gold refined by you. Help us to be clothed in white by you so that we may say, you know, the trappings of everything around us is not important. But what is important is, is holding on to your love and grace and then sharing that grace with others. God, open our hearts and our minds to receive you and to live as your disciples and to say, here I am, Lord, use me. So God, we pray this in the strong name of the one who, who speaks to the church a long time ago but continues to speak to us now, who provides the spirit to give us life, to give us understanding, to allows us to reach out and share hope with others. And so we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.